Vince, I just have to say to you, when you spoke about restaurants with reservations, my wife turned to me and she said, McDonald's takes reservations? (laughs) When did that start? Don't worry, honey, nothing but the best. (laughs) Nothing but the best. Let you have a a Whopper. No, that's a different place. Anyway, (laughs) amen. That's right. Let me just begin by asking you a question this morning, something for you to think about. How many sermons have you heard in your lifetime? How many? I've preached over 500 from behind this pulpit. So those of you who have been here that long, you've heard at least that many and perhaps many more. Do you know that if you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as a young person and then God grants you what is considered a normal lifespan, that you will listen to thousands and thousands of sermons in your lifetime? In fact, it's, it's very possible that you will listen to upwards of 7,000 sermons in a lifetime. That's a lot of preaching. That is a lot of preaching. But here's a sobering thought for all of us. Do you know that someday we will give an account for every sermon we've heard Do you know that? Every single sermon we've heard, we will someday give an account for it before the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't say that to scare anyone. That's not the intention of it. It's just really to highlight the importance of listening to the Word of God. You know, listening to God is a theme that runs all through the scriptures. It's everywhere we look. My mind is immediately brought to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, the Shema, the, the great confession of the nation of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Hear, that is, listen with obedience, O Israel. Hear. The expression, hear the word of the Lord, occurs 28 times in the Old Testament. And they are bunched together in the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, over and over as those prophets speak to a wayward nation. They say, hear the word of the Lord. Listen to the word of the Lord is another expression the prophets use a number of times. Listen to the word of the Lord. Psalm 95, verses 7 and 8, the psalmist says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I can't help but think of the book of Proverbs, 
Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, as the book begins, it says, Hear, my son, a father's wisdom. Listen, pay attention, and do what you hear. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 33, He who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. Jesus has an expression that's rather interesting. He uses it six times. He says, he who has ears to hear, what? Let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Luke chapter 8, verse 18, Jesus says, take care how you listen. Take care how you listen. Chapter 8, verse 21 of Luke. When his family comes to him and they, they think that Jesus has pretty much lost it and they want to bring him back home and pull him away from the crowds that are pressing on him. And his disciples say to him, your mother and your brothers are out there to get you and, and take you away. And Jesus says in chapter 8, verse 21, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Those are my mothers, my mother and brothers. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. The writer to the Hebrews speaking to Christians, Christian Jews, those who have professed faith in Jesus Christ and have done so for quite a long time. And he speaks to them and he says concerning him, and that in context is Melchizedek, concerning him we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. He says, you have heard many, many times, and yet, rather than being a teacher, you're still an infant. Still an infant. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, says, like newborn babies, we are to long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it we may grow in respect to salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Not the auditory process. Not the sound wave striking the eardrum and passing through that intricate mechanism that our Creator God designed and put in place that we might be able to detect sound. And that in of itself is an amazing event. Not that, but to hear with ears of faith. To hear with ears of faith. Beloved, preaching the Scriptures, listen to me, preaching the Scriptures is God's primary means of changing people. 
It is the Spirit of God who inspired the Word of God, and it is the Spirit of God who uses His inspired Word to bring about change in the heart of people. A change unto salvation, and then a change, a regular, continual change to a growth in godliness that we might be like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is done through the preaching and hearing of the Word of God. All Scripture, Paul says, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Or 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, Paul writing to his disciple in the faith. And he says to Timothy, I'm hoping to come to Ephesus, Timothy, but in case I don't get there in time, this is how you are to conduct yourself in the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Timothy, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Why? Because without the preached Word of God, God's people will not change. They will not grow. It is hearing the Word of the Lord, hearing with ears of faith that transforms us. What should be our proper response to the preached Word? What should be our response when we hear a sermon, whether it's from behind this pulpit, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's on television, wherever it comes, what should be our response to the preached Word? I can think of nothing better than Acts chapter 2, verse 37, where in response to Peter's great sermon at Pentecost, they said, brethren, what shall we do? We have heard the word of God. This morning, I want to speak to you about three essential activities that we must engage in. Three essential activities that we must engage in so that we will fully benefit from the preached word. A quote for you this morning as we begin from a pastor. He writes, and I quote, Listening to a sermon, really listening, as in thinking, praying, following the argument, concentrating on the meaning and its application to your life. Now that's hard work. That's hard work. He's so right. He is so right. When I have opportunity to sit out there, whether it be in this fellowship or in another, I know it is hard work. I understand how difficult it can be. 
So this morning, I want to help us. I want this morning to be very, very, very practical. To help all of us to become better listeners to the Word of God. We have such a heavy charge that God has laid upon us. This morning is the wrong morning to sleep. Fight. Fight. If you have to stand up, stand up. Okay? They'll think you got the spirit. <laughs> it's worth it. Three essential, three essential activities. On the back of your bulletin, I've included the outline for you. It's on the back of your bulletin, so there's a place for you to see where we are going this morning. It's also a place to jot down a few thoughts if you would like. I am planning many, 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 many practical steps or application points. Unless you write small enough to fit on a micro dot, you will not get them all onto the back of that. So just listen and write down the ones that the Spirit impresses on your heart. If you walk away this morning with one thing to implement, one step to take that will help you to become a better listener to the Word of God, then it will be worth all the time. So listen and listen carefully. The first essential activity is this. We must listen with our hearts. We must listen with our hearts. Open your Bibles up, if they haven't already, to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, there are Bibles available for you to use. They're in the pew rack in front of you, or if you're on an aisle, they're underneath your seat. If you take one of those out and open it up to page 997, you will arrive at Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And he, that is Jesus, began to teach again by the sea. And such a very loud crowd, a large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. Now, this creates a natural amphitheater. You can speak across the water to this crowd, and it also prevents them from squishing him crushing him as they press forward, puts a little space between himself and the crowds. And he was teaching them, verse 2, many things in parables and was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. As he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop, produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I can't help but picture this sermon. 
Jesus finishes the sermon. Thank you very much for coming. We're glad you could be here this morning. I hope you got something out of the message. What? What kind of sermon is that? Verse 10, as soon as he was alone. I'm not kidding you. That was the sermon. As soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. You bet. And he was saying to them, To you it has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, get everything in parables. So that while seeing, they may see and not perceive. And while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. That's a tempting verse, but we are going to pass over it this morning. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? Will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear it, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. They have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then, when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. But the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. What is he talking about? Jesus is talking about the state of a person's heart. The condition of our heart determines our response to the Word of God. Beloved, understand this truth. Every single time the Word of God is preached, you are plunged into a tug of war. Into the the height of a spiritual battle. A battle that includes the arch enemy of our soul, Satan himself, as well as the deceitfulness of riches and all of the pressures of the world in which we live, every single one of which is united with the purpose of snuffing out that which you've heard. That battle is going on right now in our midst. Satan is seeking to sneak, to snatch the word from you even as we sit here now. The worries of life, the pressures, are encroaching on your minds. A bad week at work, an ugly meeting coming up tomorrow morning, a a collection letter from a a credit card company, a, a broken car that you cannot afford to fix, problems with your children, on and on and on it goes, and it is seeking to snuff out the Word of God in your heart even now. 
You're engaged in a tug of war. You're engaged in a tug of war. The only hope we have is in the preparation of the soil. I mean, the parable, there's, there's much to be said about this parable, but let me just observe this for you. The seed is the word, and it is the same seed sown on all types of soil. The response has to do with the condition of the soil. Is it ready to receive the word? Said another way, is our heart ready to receive the word of God right now? Or is it hard packed? Is it tangled in the cares and worries of this world? This is no academic question. This is down at the very practical level of what it means to hear the word of the Lord. James says in James chapter 1, verse 21, don't turn there, let me just read it to you. He says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness, And all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. That word filthiness, by the way, can be translated or it it does refer to, not always, but it can refer to earwax. Earwax. That filthy stuff that gets in your ear and reduces your ability to hear. Clean out your ears, James is saying. Take a divine Q-tip and clean out your ears. So, let's make it really practical. You ready? Really practical this morning. Six practical suggestions so that we might hear with our hearts. Six Practical suggestions so that we might hear with our hearts. Number one, develop a daily habit of reading and meditating on the scriptures. Develop a daily habit of reading and meditating upon the scriptures. Every single day, develop that habit. Pastor John Piper says, and I quote, Daily reading is like a spiritual appetizer, close quote. I like that. A daily time in the Word of God stimulates the appetite for more. When you go out to a restaurant, other than McDonald's, you have an opportunity to purchase appetizers. The purpose of the appetizer is to to get everything flowing inside, to get the, the, the nose you know, the olfactory glands moving and get the taste buds warmed up and take the edge off while you're waiting for the meal to come. But it's all designed not to, to satisfy you. You're not supposed to go and eat just appetizers and go home, you cheapskates. You're supposed to order appetizers as a, leading you into the main course of the meal, okay? I just have to say that for those in our congregation who are waiters and waitresses. Okay, if you're going to do appetizers only, then tip them like you ordered a big meal. All right, enough of that. Anyway, it's designed to stimulate our appetite. And that's what a daily time in the Word of God is designed to do as well, is stimulate the appetite for more. So daily in the Word, number one. Number two, read ahead in preparation for the Sunday sermon. 
read ahead in the week leading up to Sunday so that you are prepared for the sermon. Now, most of the time, we preach expositorily through books of the Bible. We've been in the book of Romans long enough for my hair to turn white. And you pretty much know where we're going to be. We finished chapter 12. We're coming back to the book of Romans next week. We'll begin chapter 13. You can prepare yourself to hear the word of God by reading ahead Romans chapter 13. And as you are reading ahead, think about the passage. What does it mean? Suggest to yourself possible questions that come to your mind as you're reading it. Gee, I wonder what he means by that. I wonder how this relates to that. I wonder how I should apply this to my life. Make Even go so far as to make yourself some notes. And then come into the sermon prepared to have your questions answered and the application driven deep into your heart. And if we fail to answer the questions, then you can come and feed those questions to us and we will take them up. So prepare ahead of time by reading ahead. Reading ahead. That was number two. This is heart preparation. Number three, pray during the week for yourself and for the sermon. Pray for yourself and pray for the sermon that the Spirit of God would cause the soil of our hearts to become plowed, to be the hard pack broken up so that we would receive the implanted word. Make that part of your daily time of prayer with the Lord. Lord, I'm looking forward to hearing from you on Sunday. Please prepare my heart to receive what you have for me. And I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that you would prepare their hearts as well, that they too would hear the word of God. Number four, confess your sin to God. If there are lingering sin issues in your life, if you have stumbled and fallen during the week, Get right with God. Confess your sin, 1 John 1, 9. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come prepared, come clean and ready to hear the word of God. Do business with God before you get here. I will never forget, never forget my first exposure to the cleansing of my palate. I grew up in a small town. I'm just a small town boy. And after college, I got into banking and the Lord enabled me to become involved in an area of banking that brought me into contact with people who were wealthy. And after being involved in a particular loan transaction that was closed, there was a big celebration after the fact, and it was at a very, very nice restaurant in Dallas, Texas. I will never, ever forget. This is the kind of restaurant, by the way, when you, if you get up from your seat to go use the restroom or something, they take your napkin and bring you a fresh one. Okay, that kind of a restaurant. The one that has all the silverware okay, that most of us are not sure where to go. Whose water glass is whose? Which bread plate is mine? One of those kind of deals. And I remember after... The appetizers came and were cleared away that they put this little bowl in front of me that had this little ball of kind of a a raspberry colored stuff. And I looked to the guy next to me and I whispered, what is that? The maitre d' apparently was standing right behind me. He could tell a hick when he saw one. (laughs) 
And he whispered in my ear and he said, sir, that's to cleanse your palate. That's to cleanse your palate. That is to take the flavors off your tongue from what you've just eaten and prepare you to receive the next course. Confessing our sin, daily time in the Word of God is a, is a spiritual palate cleaning. It's spiritual sorbet, if I can say it that way. It is designed to cleanse us and prepare us to receive the main course here on Sunday morning when we are all together in one place and the Word of God is preached. So let's have our spiritual palates clean. Fifth, fifth in the preparation of the heart. Reduce your media intake. Reduce your media intake. It reduces extended exposure to the to exposure to the media of our culture. That's going to cost me. <laughs> Repeated exposure to our cultural media reduces our ability to concentrate. Everything's sound bites, right? It's video images. It's this, it's that. It just comes at you so fast you can't keep up with it. And then you have to come in here on a Sunday morning and you have to sit down and you have to concentrate for almost an hour listening to the word of God read and preached. It's hard work. It's hard work. And so when we feed ourselves that kind of a diet, it has effects on our ability to concentrate and to listen. So in the preparation of your heart, reduce the amount of media that you are taking in. Six. Sixth in the area of heart participate or preparation. Plan for Sunday. Plan for Sunday. What do I mean by that? We have an expression in our home. We've had it for many, many years. Sunday morning begins Saturday night. You bet. Sunday morning begins Saturday night. If you stay up late Saturday night, you will be in a diminished ability Sunday morning. I know you guilty people out there. I can see you. You will be in a diminished ability to hear the word of God. There's just no way around it. If you get a good night's sleep any night of the week, do it Saturday night. Do it Saturday night. On Saturday night, as you're preparing for Sunday morning, reduce the amount of mental input that will cause lingering distractions Sunday morning. Don't watch something on TV that is upsetting or disturbing that will come back to you on Sunday morning and fight its way into your consciousness, into your, into your mind. You know what the things are that upset you. If watching the news and the current state of affairs in this country and the world just gets your blood pressure up, then don't do it on Saturday night. So that you're not sitting here Sunday morning when the Word of God is being preached and you're worried about some congressional election somewhere. They don't do that. You don't want to be distracted on Sunday morning. Beyond that, these are just practical things, getting ready for Sunday morning. It's all under the heading of plan for Sunday. Eat a good breakfast Sunday morning. Eat a protein-based breakfast Sunday morning. If you like donuts, and who doesn't, don't make a donut alone your breakfast. 
You need protein because it will sustain you. It will sustain you. These are practical stuff. Okay? I have a preacher's breakfast. It's power breakfast. Bacon and eggs on Sunday morning. A little bit of carbohydrates, and I'm good to go. Listen to worship music on Sunday morning so that the atmosphere in your home is that which leads your heart towards Christ. So let the, let the environment of your home reflect that where you're going to be among the people of God. So play, play worship music on Sunday morning in your home. Here's one that's a little pointed, but I thought I'd do it anyway. Plan to arrive early. Plan to arrive early so that you avoid the feeling of being rushed. There's nothing like blowing in at the last second, right? Running up the hill, you know, the music started and you're, you're through the door trying to find a seat. That's no way to come into the presence of God and to worship among his people. Get up a little earlier, get here on time and get in here and settle in and get ready to meet God. This is all under the rubric of preparing your heart, hearing with the heart. Beyond that, we have to hear with our heads. We have to hear with our heads. Turn to the right to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, page 1109. Acts 17, beginning in verse 10. Acts 17, verse 10. Paul here has been in Thessalonica in Greece where he has received a very hostile reception and has been driven out of town. Verse 10, the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, For they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Luke commends the residents of the city of Berea that as they listened to the preaching of Paul and Silas, they opened the scriptures and they examined them and they compared that which they heard to that which was being preached. They heard with their heads. They heard with their heads. Now, on average, I spend somewhere between 15 and 20 hours a week in a pretty rigorous intellectual, spiritual effort to prepare the Word of God to come and to be preached to you on a Sunday morning. That is my pattern of life. But just because I spend that kind of time, make that kind of investment, it doesn't mean everything I say is true. It's up to you to figure out what's true and what's not. I've said 10 untrue things so far. Do you know where they are? No, I'm just teasing you. (laughs) I'm completely teasing you. People looking at me, Donald, and they're thinking, what is that guy talking about? What I'm trying to say to you is that you can't be on autopilot here on Sunday morning. I work hard to get it right, to cut it straight, to preach it truthfully and accurately to you. But I'm only a man 
and a man with feet of clay, and I'm quite capable of error. And I will be held responsible before Christ for the errors that I make. But you are not off the hook. You also are responsible before Christ for what you hear to compare it to the Word of God to see if those things might be so. At the judgment, at the evaluation, you can't say to Christ, well, David said it and that was settled it. No, that doesn't settle it. We are all responsible. I'm not immune to mistakes. We need to compare these things to the Word of God and see whether they be so. I welcome your questions. I really do. Questions, comments, feedback, even criticisms. Oh, right. If I can ask you this one favor, the, the, if you would hold your criticism until I at least get down from the pulpit <laughs> and then give me a minute or two to catch my breath and then... By the grace of God, I will receive it with a smile. No, seriously, I, would, I want to hear from you. Some people send me emails throughout the week, and could you clarify this? Or at the end of Romans chapter 12, there were, it brought up a number of issues that have troubled a few people in the congregation, and they've been feeding back to me about them, and I've been uh, smiling and saying, hang on to that. That's a great question. When we get to chapter 13, it's my intention to address it, and I will, by the grace of God. So... Be engaged with your head in the process of listening. So let me give you some practical, practical suggestions on how to prepare your head to hear. There are six of them. So here they are. Number one, be consistent in your church attendance. Be consistent in your church attendance. Why do I say that? I say that because it's hard to stay engaged in a sermon series to follow the argumentation of the book when you're not here half the time. It would be akin to walking in halfway through a television program and saying to everybody who's sitting there listening, what's going on? What do they mean by that? Who's that person? Which is the good guy? Which is the bad guy? That's very annoying, by the way. So if you're not here consistently, regularly, you will find yourself feeling disconnected. It's only natural. So if you're going to hear with your head and follow along, you have to be here. You have to be here. If you miss, this is number two practical suggestion. If you miss, download the sermon from the website. They go right up on the website Sunday afternoon. You can download it and you can hear it. If you would like to see it, there are DVDs available. You can hear it. You can see it. So if you miss, get it. So that when you come back the next week, you're not halfway through the television program. You know what's going on. Third, you may request to be put on the sermon note distribution list. The sermon note distribution list. Originally, that list was put together to send out my sermon notes. And they are the exact notes that I bring into the pulpit, word for word. I don't use them word for word, but they are the word for word notes that I take into the pulpit. And originally, I sent them to all the home Bible study leaders. And then one person heard about it and sent me an email and said, gee, could I have them too? I saw somebody in the congregation with your sermon notes. Can I get a copy? course and someone else sent in and someone else sent in so i'm compiling this rather large email list so if you would like to be added to the email list and receive the sermon manuscript 
on Thursday for the coming Sunday, send me an email. If you will email me, I will add you to the list. And every week you will have by Thursday evening at the latest, Lord willing, if I get my work done, you will have the exact manuscript that I take into the pulpit every single week. Okay? As a way to help here with your head. Fourth, fourth, come to church expectantly. When you come, come expectantly. Psalm 119, verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold the wonderful things from your law. When you come, come expecting to learn something. Come expecting to learn something. Fifth, enter into worship. Do not be a spectator. Enter into worship. What do I mean by that? Sing the songs. That's the first thing I mean. Sing the songs. Beyond that, follow along in your Bible. Follow along in your Bible. If you've never done this, let me just kind of on a side, can I just say this? It would be very, very helpful and productive for you if you were to memorize the books of the Bible. Just memorize the order of the books of the Bible. There's a song, and I can teach you, or Pastor Vincent can teach you, because that's how we memorize the books of the Bible, and it got us through ordination. Okay? And I'm not too... I still sing it in my head, and it gets me where I need to go. I still also sing in my head the alphabet song in order to file things correctly. Okay? And I'm not too embarrassed to admit that either. Memorize the order of the books of the Bible and so that you know where stuff is and you can begin to follow along. Turn to the cross-references. When I say, look at this verse, turn here, do it. That keeps you mentally engaged. It also helps you to follow the, the argumentation that's being made and to see, am I... Am I Proving the case, am I treating the word of God correctly? Or am I playing fast and loose with the scriptures? Listen attentively when we pray. Don't let your mind fight to keep your mind from wandering when we pray. And then lastly, if it's helpful for you, take notes. Take notes. Six. Six. Personal or practical application with regard to hearing with our heads. Fight off distractions. Fight off distractions. You know, the average person can listen twice as fast as the average person can speak. Did you know that? No matter how fast I talk, you can hear faster than I can speak. And what that does is it leaves our minds prone to wander. That is exactly why our minds wander. It's because we've learned that we can check in and check out. We can check in and we can check out. And we can still basically be aware of what's going on. And in a general sense in life, that will get you by. But if you are trying to follow something closely, that's dangerous. You may check out at exactly the wrong time. And when you check back in, the train's left the station. And you're looking around saying, where do they all go? So fight. The distractions. Turn off your cell phones. Okay, just turn them off before you come in. Your stockbroker will wait. Go to the bathroom before you come in. This is practical stuff. Okay, go to the bathroom before you come in. If you have a crying baby, please take your baby out for the benefit of everyone else, okay? 
A little crying is fine. I can preach through like a hurricane. Okay? So it won't be me, but it'll be the people around you. So if you have a child, a child whimpering, crying a little bit, that's fine. But if the, if the child is not quickly and easily consoled, please, for the benefit of everybody else, you may pick up your child and you take them out. And in the cry room, there's a video feed. You won't miss out. It's all right there for you. Okay? Here's another one. Maintain eye contact with the preacher. Maintain eye contact with the preacher. I guess it's like this, right? Look at me. Not the top of your head. I don't want to see the top of your head. I want to see your eyes. We pay attention to that which we look at. Give back verbal and nonverbal communication. Thank you. (laughs) Can I hear anyone else, please? It keeps you engaged. It keeps you engaged. If there is a rhetorical question asked, answer it. At least, you know, either to yourself or silent, you know, whisper it, the answer. Yell it out. I don't care. Stay engaged. Feedback. I love the faces that smile, the heads that nod, the people that laugh at the jokes, even if they're not very good. Okay? It's all part of a two-way communication process. It keeps your head in the ballgame. Practical stuff. We have to hear with the heart. We have to hear with the head. Finally, we have to hear with the hands. We have to hear with the hands. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Let's just look at verse 22. I wish I had more time. This whole section here in James is about hearing, by the way. Response to proper response to the word of God. But let's just lift this out. Verse 22, James 1. See where it says, but prove yourself. It lets you know there's a contrast going on here. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. We need to hear with our hands. Okay, our heart has to be prepared when we come in to receive the word of God. Our heads have to be engaged because it's a regular, rigorous intellectual pursuit. You know, God speaks to the heart through the head. You know that, right? He doesn't talk directly to our hearts. He talks to our hearts through our minds, through our heads. And so there is an academic component to the gospel. But finally, it has to come back out through our hands or we have not been an effective listener to the word of God. All of those statements about listen are also statements about being obedient to that which we've heard. So do not act like you're walking through Costco when you come to a sermon. You know what I'm talking about. You walk through Costco and you have a little piece of this to eat and then a little piece of that to eat. right? And you go everywhere and you sample things. Just taste it a little and then you're on to the next thing. You don't buy anything. Okay? You don't buy any of those things they sample you. You just eat their food and leave. I know what you're like. Because that's what I do. It's the cheapest date going. Look at all the stuff I can't afford and I eat their food for free. 
But we're not to be like that with the word of God. We're not to be just picking at it, sampling it, tasting it. It's to change us. It's to come out through our hands. It comes out through our hands. So we have a responsibility, beloved, a responsibility to act upon that which we have heard. James says, prove yourselves what? Doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves into thinking they are becoming godly because they are listening to more and more preaching. You will never become godly by merely listening to sermons. You will become godly by listening and doing in response to a sermon. So here they are, six practical suggestions to prepare our hands to hear the word of God. The goal of all preaching, let me just say this before we begin. The goal of all preaching is to move the will. We do a preaching class here on a pretty regular basis, and that's one of the first things we tell preaching candidates is preaching is to move people's wills. It's to change their behavior. It's to transform their mind, the way they think about the world, and thus the way they act and interact with the world. The sermon is not an end in itself. It is a means to an end. And that is to transform people, to move their will. You have a right, by the way, to expect me to practice what I preach. Right? Wouldn't you agree to that? Physician, heal thyself. You have a lawful right and expectation that I will practice the things that I am preaching. Not perfectly. I'm not a perfect man. But I make an attempt by the grace of God to walk in the Spirit and to put into practice the same things that I preach to you. I've been preaching them to myself all week long as I prepare it. But let me say this to you. I also have a right to expect you to put into practice what I preach to you. It is a two-way street. You may hold me accountable to the preaching, and I may hold you accountable to the preaching. It's a two-way street. So here we go. Six practical ways to hear with the hands. Number one, as you are listening to the preaching, think through specific applications of the sermon itself. While it's going on, think about how will I apply this to my life? Ask yourself this question while you're listening. God, what do you want me to do with what I'm hearing right now? What do you want me to do with it? Luke eleven twenty eight. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and do it, observe it, keep it. Depends on your translation. Blessed are those who hear and do. So as you're listening, ask yourself, Oh Lord, what will you have me do with this morning's sermon? Second, as soon as possible, as soon as practically possible, discuss the sermon with someone else. As soon as you can, whether it be over lunch with friends or family members, or whether it be later in the day or that evening, or maybe it's not till the next morning, whenever it is, find someone who heard the sermon. And as soon as you can discuss it with them, ask them, what did you learn? What did you take away? How did it strike you? Interact with it. 
Interact with it. And focus on specific applications for each of you. Say, you know what? I was listening to the sermon this morning. God really impressed upon my heart. This is, this is, I think, what I need to do with it. And the other person will say, wow, I hadn't thought about that. This is what I thought about it. And you go, oh, wow, that's, that's better than what I thought. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do what you're talking about doing. And so we, we encourage one another to do something with it. Third, resolve to make specific changes as a result of what you've heard. Do not walk out of a sermon... And just flush it out of your brain. Resolve that you will make some specific application. You will do something with the sermon that you have just heard. Something. Fourth, pray. Pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to help you to begin to take the steps to change. If God impresses on your heart that in response to something you've heard, a certain behavior that you are doing that needs, you need to stop doing or you need to begin to implement some kind of behavior that you're not presently engaged in, pray and ask God to help you to do that and then take specific steps. For example, if you have trouble getting out of bed in the morning to spend time with the Lord, Pray and ask God to help you to get up in the morning earlier so that you will have time to be spent in the word and then take the very specific step of setting your alarm clock. And when you hear it go off, roll out, do not roll over. Okay, if that means set it on the other side of the room, then set it on the other side of the room. Begin to take that specific step until that behavior begins to become ingrained in you as a follower of Jesus Christ. And then getting up to be with the Lord in the morning is just part of who you are. It's not even a fight anymore. You know what? If you get up at the same time every morning within a matter of a couple of weeks, you know what will happen? Even without an alarm clock, you will wake up. You will wake up. Fifth. Review the sermon notes and reread the passage in the following week. Review the sermon notes and reread the passage. That helps to cement it into your heart and mind and will enable you then to think about it throughout the week so that the Lord, through His Spirit, might bring to your, to your thinking a specific application that you hadn't thought of. And then finally... Join a home study group, an oikos group. They are specifically designed to help us implement the scriptures together. They meet on different nights of the week, different parts of the city, you know, the extended community. They are available to you and they are designed to help us interact with the scriptures together. So join a home study group. Okay? That will help you to implement that which you've heard. So we must hear with the, with the heart, we must hear with the head, and we must hear with the hands. Thus says the Lord God. Let's pray. 
Our Father, the Scriptures say, to whom much is given, much is required. And, O Lord, we have been given so much. Not just this morning, but, Father, week after week and for some day after day. We have an unprecedented access to the Scriptures, to the preaching of the Scriptures, to some of the finest expositors of our century. And, O Lord, we confess that in the midst of such wealth and abundance, that there can be a famine for hearing the word of the Lord, really hearing it. That we can become like professional food samplers, wine tasters, flitting from here to there, listening to a little of this and a little of that, critiquing things that we hear, not for their content and fidelity to the word of God, but because whether they appeal to our palate or not in terms of presentation, personality. Father, we confess that on more occasions than we would like to acknowledge, we come into the presence of you in the corporate gathering of your people unprepared to hear your word. That our minds stray, that our hearts are far from you. There is much more duty than delight, our Father, in our gatherings. O Lord, even that we are guilty at times of falling asleep in the presence of the Almighty. O Lord God, it is for these sins and more that Christ died on that cross. Not that we would labor under a burden of guilt, our Father, for our transgressions are great. But that we might be delivered, we might be relieved of the guilt. Christ has atoned even for our failure to listen to Your Word. But, O Lord, let us not remain in that state, but transform us. Lord, may even today be a significant day in our lives that we would resolve anew that when we come before You, the reading of Your Word, the teaching of Your Word, that we come hungry with hearts prepared and heads ready to engage and and hands active and excited about how to apply that which we have heard. O Lord God, may You continue the great work of sanctification that You have begun in us For we know you will be faithful to bring it about. In Jesus' name, amen.